0: Okay, we're going to get started, and we're going to be talking about starting a school garden, school project. Uh, This is really fun when you get these little kids out there. They just get so excited. They put a seed in the ground when it sprouts. They just, beyond enthusiasm, it's just great. They make mistakes. I was in Fallon, Nevada, and we had... Uh, one of the teachers had gone out there and double dug uh, a little garden area uh, for these kids. This was kindergarten through the second grade. That was all we had, just tiny little kids out there. And, and uh, I remember one little kid, we, you know, what I would do is I would plant and show them in one bed what to do, and then it was their turn to do their bed. You want each kid to have his or her own little plot of ground. If they own it, their interest goes way up, and their learning goes way up, if they own it, okay. So this one little kid, he was so excited. We just planted some broccoli and other stuff. And and he jumped around, and was so excited. He jumped all over his broccoli. (laughs) So mistakes will be made. That's okay. We learn more from our mistakes, usually, than we do from our successes. So it's all right. They they are going to make mistakes, and they're going to learn there. This is uh, Pine Hills Academy, Auburn, California, Adventist uh, School <coughs> there. And they made wonderful boxes like this. And then we came in and planted things. Um, and when I came back, a week or so later, and the kids came back to class, uh, and they were saying, that's my plant. I, t- I planted that one, you know. Oh, I planted this one over here, there. Um, I got, uh, got them started, and then turned some of it over to the teachers, and the plants were planted too close. Uh, then mistakes were made, and so we had to go back and, and thin them out there. it's better. It's better to have enough spacing than to plant things too close together there. (coughs) Um, And let's see, we've got two different types of cabbage here. and We've got broccoli, and we've got cauliflower. And then down here, that is uh, some potatoes coming, yes. There. Now, um, this is an area where there's lots of gophers, and so We've, they've got gopher wire, I believe, in the bottom of these. Somebody put, uh, started this project several years ago, and and we have, we have the soil test from it. But when we went back and did the soil test, you see how out of balance those, those boxes were. Uh, I don't know what he put there, but if you put water-based latex paint, it'll be just fine. And if you use interior uh, latex paint, that would be even better. Uh, It's outside, but use it uh, here. It will not be toxic there. So yeah, you need to be careful of what you put there. Somebody got all excited in one of our gardens and said, oh, hey, I hear the highway department is tearing up uh, these old, um, you know, these posts they have alongside of the road that hold the." The guardrails and whatever. And so, anyway, they were pulling all those up and they were free. And this guy said, Man, we should get those we should build beds out of them. I said, Well, go talk to them, see what we got, see what we have going there. And so the guy went over and, and our gardener went over and talked to the highway department. They said, Oh, yeah, we've, we've, you know, we've got lots of those. We'll even deliver them to you. Hey, that's even better. Yeah. Then he said, What are you using them for? Well, we're going to make gardens. He said, nope, you can't have any. That, that stuff was so toxic that they were taking it out of the highways, and, and it, would, it would have killed your plants. So don't use old railroad ties or things like that. Uh, it's toxic there. <clears throat> Be careful of what you're, what you're putting out there. Uh, Dr. Bitliner used just pine uh, to, make, to make those beds and, and uh, raised beds. Uh, and some of those beds, 15, 16 years later, were still fine. Um, he used the interior latex paint uh, for it and, and it worked just fine. Okay, here's another picture. And you see a lot of these boxes are just empty. So looks like we've got second graders, I think, there. And here we, we had each kid mark his own road, plant their own seeds. Um, And over here we just have some onions that we're planting. And here those are onions. We just shake them out and then we had some seeds in there. (coughs) Okay, now this is uh, another school garden, not very far from the previous one. This garden is in El Dorado Adventist School. And uh, you see there's quite a bit of shade there. It's in the afternoon, but there's quite a bit of shade there. And what we had with these raised beds is we said, we'll make hoops there. This garden is probably at about 2,000 foot elevation in the mountains. And so they get some snow and some pretty hard frosts there. And if we put the same plants that you saw earlier, if we put them out there, they would do nothing. They would just sit there, okay? They'd, they'd survive, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't grow. They wouldn't give us cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower that we wanted. But when you put that simple hoop over it, sun shines in, heats that up, and those plants will do just very, very well. I learned that when I took that class from Dr. Mitleiter at Weimar. Uh, <clears> the <throat> class was over when the school dismissed for, for Christmas vacation, and they had a whole bunch of plants left over that they were throwing out, and I said, hey, can I have some of those? Sure, take them. So I took a bunch of them. This was cauliflower and broccoli and cabbage plants. I took them home to Camino, California at that time, which is about 3,000-foot elevation in the mountains, so it's even colder there. I put them in during Christmas break and had one of the very best gardens that I ever had in my life there. Now, I put one row here with a, with a cover. I didn't make it that high. I just made it about this high there. And uh, just a cheap plastic that you get at the hardware store. Um, and it covered those. And then I had another row, uh, same identical plants, planted at the same time, same fertilizer, same soil, same everything, but it didn't cover. These plants over here. Uncovered, did nothing. I got no useful food out of them. These over here had some of the best produce that they ever had. So a few degrees difference uh, can, make a huge, can make a huge difference. Now, you, you can't grow tomatoes and cucumbers in there, not in this weather there. You'd have to have a heated greenhouse or a water canopy uh, to do that. But these cool weather crops will grow very, very, very well. Uh, we planted uh, uh, beets and uh, chard and uh, radishes, uh, onions. Onions you can plant, you know, onions the right time of year to plant is November. Even outside, even here. Uh, plant them outside and they'll just sit there in the ground. They won't grow vigorously. They'll just be sitting there in the ground all winter. But the roots are growing. And then uh, <coughs> towards, the, towards the middle and late, of February they start to grow and they can grow outside just fine uh, but but the rest of them won't do so good there. Uh, they'll have to have some protection. If you grow kale and have it started before the cold weather, uh, for most of us you can have that outside all year round uh, and, and eat off of that. And that kale gets very, very sweet, just very nice. Um, when, it, when we have that cold weather. I uh, found the same thing with collard greens and uh, uh, rutabaga. Anyway, other cool weather crops there. Okay, I don't know if we have any more pictures with this or not. Let's see. Okay, yeah, here are the kids trying to plant there. <clears throat> that kid's got a little bunch of bro- broccoli plants there. Planting by the blueprint, okay. I want to tell you about a project, <clears throat> uh, what size of white pipe with those hoops? Yeah. Um, first, don't make them that high uh, outside. If you have, if you have uh, that um, shape where it comes up and high, um, the wind's going to catch it and blow them over. This is in a protected area where they've got a fence all around it there. But Don't make them that high. Make it more like a Quonset hut st- style, and you'll have better success with it. Uh, use a smaller pipe to make to bend the hoop over, and then use a bigger pipe in the bed itself. Okay, so that you put that pipe right into the bigger pipe there. That way, it's easy to take up and put down. Much easier to use there. Yes. I, I wanted to tell you about a uh, a project that. Uh, there's an Adventist church. This is in northern California, close to the Bay Area. And maybe you know of some similar situation like this, but this, this Adventist church has 20 acres of land, um, 10 where the church is, and, um, and a building or two, and then 10 which is separate. And so the county said, well, that separate land doesn't qualify and we're going to have to charge you taxes on it." They want $6,000 a year for taxes on that. Well, the church is a small, struggling church and really worried about that $6,000 there. Uh, In the meantime, I had been looking for a place for a a young couple who have a, a smoothie business. Uh, smoothie Ministry, let's call it. And what they do is they take, they make smoothies, they take organic produce, which they buy uh, from a local farmer, and then they make these smoothies and they take them to all of the farmers markets in the Bay Area that are open any day except Sabbath. There. They have regular customers. Um, Uh, they do a good uh, business with this it's a it's it's a uh, ministry that pays its own way okay we talk about self-supporting ministries which often means dependent upon donations this is not dependent on donations uh, there so anyway we're looking for a place where these people could grow there Donna and I went to their Thanksgiving meal, wasn't it? There, we happened to go to that church that day, not knowing they had this special program on. Uh, but anyway, they, they had a Thanksgiving meal, and it was it was a nice um, situation. And I talked to the pastor and just said, hey, um, you know, I'm interested in in um, doing something here uh, that would be a benefit to your church, and would get another ministry going. Uh, and we'd like to get started with, you know, that and I said, I'll talk to you about it later. He said, oh, that's fine You know, he got real interested there. So anyway, I called him But he invited me to come over to a church board meeting and to present the ideas I said, all right, I'll do that. He said, you got to do it quickly. He says, I'm going to give you 15 minutes And I thought how on earth can I cover this in 15 minutes? I can't <coughs> there. So anyway, I wrote things out and I came to the committee and said I'm going to read this and it's going to it's going to cause a lot of questions in your mind because I'm going to talk about some pretty fantastic things here it's going to cause a lot of questions in your mind hold your questions they'll be answered either in the presentation or afterwards so i read that presentation i think it took me 10 11 minutes there uh, and and Uh, assured him that the first thing we would do was to take that six thousand dollar tax that they have and switch that to a non-taxable thing in other words this other ministry would take care of it there Uh, what we were looking for is a place where we could go in these these are young people they're professional young people but they don't have a lot of money Um, he comes from bangladesh Uh, his wife comes from cambodia Um, dedicated Uh, young people smart uh, but they don't have a lot of money behind them so I said what we want is to start very small with one acre we'll take one acre and we'll grow produce on that which will support this ministry that they have we've got to grow um, organic food we've got to use this garden in the boxes as as, uh, So, because these people in the Bay Area, they understand organic and they want organic. So, we're going to have to do that. Well, that kind of blew the pastor away. He said, I thought you were going to start small, not a whole acre. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, uh, other people in the, um, on the board, good people there, but uh, other people on the board said, well, uh, that doesn't sound real. Uh, and I had purposely tried to downplay at least some of the things that I was saying there. Because what we do talk about is pretty fantastic there. And the promises that we have um, in the spirit of prophecy and in the Bible, they tell us that if we do these things, that God will bless, that the Creator Himself will teach us. Um, in one place in... in um, the Spirit of Prophecy, it talks about the children of Israel and that their job in the crossroads of the world was to learn how to grow food without disease. And then they were to teach it to the rest of the world. Well, then she brings it to us today and she says, today we should learn to grow food with no disease. And that when we do it, the world will flock to us to learn those methods. We won't have to go out to them. They'll flock to us to learn those methods. Hey, everywhere where we go out there, there's a tremendous amount of disease. I'm talking about in the field, okay? There's a tremendous amount of disease out there. Fungal diseases and viral diseases and all kinds of of problems out there. And then, of course, when, when the plant is putting out that signal, now the insects come. And so then we have all the pesticides and so forth. So anyway. If it's our job to learn how to grow food without disease, must be possible, right? Or wouldn't be our assignment there. So uh, uh, that's what we're doing. And matter of fact, uh, Bob Gregory has a really interesting class uh, today where he has totally switched what he used to do um, and uses no chemicals and no pesticides. Um, and uh, is doing doing a great job there now when we use when we use the chemical fertilizers we can blow up foods okay that's what they call it in the industry even we can pour on the nitrogen and the potassium and we're going to get big tomatoes and we're going to get big apples and big whatever you know there but they're uh, unbalanced they're not what we want that's not our, that's not our um, goal is to grow the biggest. We, we want good produce. We need good produce, um, but the goal is to grow the food which is healing and without disease. And when we eat it, um, then that immunity is, uh, is um, passed on to us. You see, those 92 different minerals that are in the ocean water in that perfect balance, the plants need those things for their immune system. Okay, so the plant's immune system now is much stronger. There, they need that, and you and I need it, but we need it secondhand. We need it through the through the uh, plant. There, so that's transferred to us when we uh, eat food that way. So anyway, um, if you know of another situation like this, we need we need um, gardens like this. All over this particular ministry, um, I think it's called a fruit tree ministry. Uh, they will offer to go to the uh, to your church if you invite them, or your school if you invite them there, and they'll teach you how to do this ministry, how to do the juicing. Uh, let me change that. They don't do juices; they do they do the smoothies. That's different there. Um, some of you know uh, Jared Thurman there? Yeah, good, good guy. He started juice ministry in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, then expanded that, and then eventually sold it. Nevada-Utah conference bought it, including all the equipment and so forth, and it's just sitting there. It's not being used. Part of the reason is that with the juices, they had so many different things it was too complicated there. The, the smoothie is very, very simple. You have maybe several different flavors there. Uh, but it's very, very simple. And, and you're using the whole plant. You're not just using the juice. It's good to use the juice if you are, if you're sick, maybe in a healing uh, situation or something, because it's concentrated there. But we need the whole plant for health. And so, ideally, we want to use the, the whole plant there these people come and they will teach you your school how to run this they'll get you started there and uh, uh, anyway it, that's available then uh, we need we want to expand from there from the, the, the smoothie ministry to now providing uh top quality produce for the same customers they were already seeing those customers regularly they're already making a profit with that business so now we want to expand to growing top quality produce and there are certainly many of those people who would like to have a garden box weekly of the produce there Um, then we want to expand a little further and uh, 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 we need to make a commercial kitchen there to handle this stuff. You have to have a commercial kitchen. Uh, uh, But then a mini lifestyle center, if we can call it that, uh, a mini Weimar, okay? When uh, when, um, John Harvey Kellogg um, had his big sanitarium there, Ellen White said, that's the wrong thing to do. We need to have many sanitariums, wellness centers, but small ones and spread all out uh, where people could could uh, get to them. Uh, uh, so, we're not talking about a John Harvey Kellogg big thing like that, but we're talking about a small wellness center there where people can get well, can actually get well. Okay, so then, then, well, the commercial kitchen, the expanded garden, an acre will produce an awful lot of food there, and uh, uh, and because there's 20 acres at this particular place, I mean we could fill up that 10 acres and have a tremendous amount of food there. And if we needed even more, the church has another 10 acres. You see, that's not being used; uh, most of it's not being used. So that would that could work. <clears throat> then we. Um, uh, then they wanted to, to, to have a training institute, okay, where we're training medical missionaries and culporter-type work there. Uh, so anyway, I think we could put all of these things together and just grow gradually. And this is what I was telling the church board, that we need to grow gradually. We need, we need to be able to rent some of that property now with an option to purchase it, okay? not just rent it because then somebody could come in later that didn't understand the principles and say, well, we don't want to do that anymore and, and cancel it. So we need an option to purchase that. We need control of that. And, and these young people, they, uh, um, well, they want to start a family. But they want to, st- but they're living in Berkeley, California now. That's not the place to start a family. They want to move out. They want to get in the country there this would be an ideal situation for them so this is the type of institution or um, small thing that could grow and uh, could could do uh, well there um, then in central california um, right now <coughs> the conference owns a very nice school this is on eight acres is it in hollister I think it's about eight eight or nine acres in Hollister. Nice school uh, building. I guess they had, they're prepared for about 200 students or something, and they have 19 kids in school. So 19 kids, how on earth do you pay for the school, see? So they're struggling with debt and whatever there. Hey, that school could be totally filled up with young people from that area. Now why <coughs> uh, or how? First of all, let's go back to Adventist education. Uh, It's the best educational system on earth. Why is it the best educational system on earth? Why is it superior to every other educational system on earth? Now, uh, Ellen White tells us that our, our educational system, in our educational system, the A, B, and C of what's taught there should be agriculture. Okay? Why? Here's what happens, if you go to a public institution, I don't care if it's a university or whatever, um, people are taught what to think. If you go to this educational system, you're taught how to think, okay? There's a huge difference, all right? So they learn, (coughs) um, they learn all of these things. They learn cause and effect okay everything happens for a cause uh, because of a cause and we have a cause we have an effect nothing happens just because it happens you're not just um, here by accident but that's what's taught in the universities uh, there so kids learn how to plant and harvest and they learn how to uh, handle problems they learn how to handle emergencies there Um, they learn to be careful with these little plants they are close to uh, God's creation and the, and the Creator Himself. It's a healthy place. They're using. They have outside fresh air and sunshine. Uh, all kinds of benefits there that you don't get. They're, the list goes on and on. They learn self-reliance. They learn to be confident. Now I've lived long enough <clears throat> to see that the products of this educational system that those people have gone out and that they are the people who have made the world a better place. They are the doers in this world. They have made this world a better place to live. Uh, uh, If you walk onto the campus of a high school and then walk onto the campus of some Adventist uh, school, um, you'll see a huge difference. And the quality of those kids and in in their educational system there. So anyway, there are all kinds of benefits here and we need to, to do this. Let's go back to um, Hollister where they have this school that can handle 200 kids and, and it's empty. And they have a huge debt on it besides there. The conference owns it there. Uh, now, are, are you people, um, how many are acquainted with, um, What's our call-porter work here, the Youth youth Rush. Do you have Youth Rush here? Okay. Okay, Youth Rush is a great program. Um, there are two, two things in the Adventist church that about 70 years ago just went down the tubes. One is agriculture, okay? The other is the call-porter work. Call-porter work was changed because of changes in the laws here and in Canada, and so it became necessary for the call porter to be an independent agent. So now he had no retirement, no medical insurance or whatever. Previous to that, when the call porter was a an employee of the denomination, he had retirement, then he had medical insurance and so forth. That all had to go away. In countries where they still where people are still uh, employees of the church, the call porter work thrives. But in this country and in Canada it just Disappeared. So now we have the Youth Rush Program, which is a great program, a wonderful program. And uh, these young people go out in teams, and they will work a whole town. And uh, the entering wedge uh, is is the health message. Okay, we have a world of people out here who are too busy, too absorbed in life in making money and enjoying life, to pay any attention at all to God. They don't want to talk to you about God. Okay? But they're almost all interested in health. They're all interested in feeling better. Um, And all of us have to eat. So this this is a proposal. We've just done a little bit of this. But this, this is a proposal that we're growing very healthy food. Let's go back to these tomatoes. Let's say that in the youth rush group that they go up to a door and, um, and they give out a little free sample. And we could, we could take um, the sun gold tomatoes and another tomato that looks exactly like it and say, this one came from Safeway this morning. This one came from my farm or maybe, um, from wherever it came from um, uh, and I, it's a gift to you I want you to taste the difference now they look they look identical they look the same but there's a huge difference in taste all right so that's a little entering wedge and now they can talk about how this affects the health of their customer that they're talking to their and the nutrient value and now if we have a Local market gardener, farmer, uh, who is growing this way. Uh, now, now the the Youth Rush people can sign those people up for a box delivered every every week or every two weeks or whatever. It's 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 different than what it used to be years ago, but this works very nicely there. But let's go back to the the, the school and the kids uh, now. If we've got this kind of a program going on in the school, meaning that the kids are learning um, agriculture and they're learning these principles, now our youth rush young people can say, look, if there are any kids in this household or if you have any grandkids or whatever that you're interested in having a superior education, the best in the whole world, here's what's happening over here at the Adventist School and why it's superior. You see, there are lots of people out there Who are good honest people who want a better education for their kids they know that they're not getting the best in in public school there so yes it's going to cost some money um, but we could have our schools absolutely filled um, with young people from the local uh, areas in some places some countries like India uh, as much as eighty percent of the students are not from Adventist homes. They're from uh, the community there. I was in Jamaica, and there, uh, our schools are struggling like they are almost anywhere. But our schools in Jamaica, this is North uh, Northeast Jamaica Conference, uh, they allow anybody in the in the uh, community to come to their school, um, and they don't have to pay. Uh, they have a suggested tuition, but almost nobody pays there. That's a real strain on our, on our students there. But anyway, again, we have a, a school with more than 80% from the community there. All right, so we could have a real outreach uh, with these. We could fill our schools, especially in the United States and Canada, we could do well with that. School wouldn't necessarily be cheaper, but if we had it full of students, they're mostly paying students. Um, uh, that our schools could operate again and again. I go to our schools and and um, they tell me something very similar. Well, I need we need a little few more students here to balance this out. We have to have enough students to be able to pay the teachers and to make this program work. Market gardening in a school um, is not profitable. Um, one of the reasons that agriculture got out of the school system, the Adventist school system, is that uh, administrators looked at it as a way to earn money. And if you do that, that doesn't work. You can't, not, you cannot make money off of student labor. Okay, you're training them, and as soon as you get them trained, they're off to college or someplace else. There, so don't look at the agriculture program as a way of earning money. Uh, The Bible uh, department, the math department, the English department, none of those have to make a profit. Okay? So, don't look at the agriculture department as having to make a profit. Besides that, in the Bible department, you've got a few books. Um, Same with the other things. In agriculture, you've actually got a big investment there. So, there's some problems here. Um, uh, There are some programs that are working and are working successfully. But if you look at the agriculture program in the school as a profit maker, it's not going to work there. Daystar Academy, Daystar Academy is doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Meyer, if you you don't know him, get to know him. He's quite the guy there, uh, doing a good job there. At Eldorado Adventist School, we started this little garden program there. One of the students came to me and he said, uh, he said, I'd like to do this all summer long. He said, can we do that? And uh, uh, he went around and got a bunch of his buddies together and I think there are five or seven of them or something that all committed that they want to do this all summer long. Uh, continue that. In Avondale, when that school was started, <coughs> uh, they, they had a very good, ag- agriculture was a big thing. Uh, <coughs> when the summer session, this break came, All of the students said, we want to keep right on here. We want to keep right on with this program there. There's another thing that happens here. (coughs) Today, um, our kids go through the Adventist school system and fully 80% of them, when they graduate, never come back. They're gone. Uh, Now, a few of them come back when they're old. I see that. So don't give up on praying for them. But what a waste, you see. What an absolute waste there. Um, At Avondale, uh, there's a quote in here someplace that says that that, that the students, again, which was mostly town kids, not church kids, that the conversion rate, the true conversion rate, those who are truly converted, How does that go? It is, it was almost 100 percent and in some cases, in some classes, uh, it was 100 percent with no exception and others there might have been two or one or two or three exceptions there. What a difference from losing 80 percent of our kids to keeping almost all of them there. So there are huge benefits here that, that we want. This media was brought to you by Audioverse